Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Baseball in the Burrows podcast. I didn't check what number episode this was, but we're in the mid-20s, I think, somewhere around there. Haven't had an episode out in the last couple of weeks just because of, uh, you know, stuff happening at home with, uh, you know, just personal stuff we had to take care of. I said personal. I'm tired. You're personal. tired also. Yeah. Personal stuff we had to take care of as well as uh, Noah and I both moved into Penn State last weekend. So we're finally here. Everything's set up. Uh, classes started. So now that it's underway, we have time to record, but... As always, I'm joined by him. Noah, how are you doing today? I'm, I'm doing fine. My body's dead. I played about four hours of basketball today. Yesterday, I played about two hours of basketball. I went to the gym, just meeting some kids that way. It's been a lot of fun, but my body's pretty dead. And then I've been over here. Yeah, for those who don't know, Tyler's in an apartment. I'm in the freshman dorm, so I've been walking over, and that's like not a mile, but a little, maybe like a half mile, maybe a little more uh, walk over here. So it's just been a lot of walking and exercise and everything. So it's been, uh, it's been cool. It's been a big adjustment for sure. I'm definitely like kind of an introvert, kind of a homebody a little bit. So I'm used to being home, uh, being away from here, uh, from being away from home and being here has been fun. Uh, there's been a lot of different challenges with it. Um, but uh, at the same time, it's uh, just making the most of it. I miss Tony D's though. I can't get like, I miss my pizza and shit like that. Like here you can't get like the food. Like, what do you think of the food here? Like it's the food here is like serviceable. I know Joey who's watching TV in there might hear me right now. There were certain places we'd eat at the freshman halls or the freshman commons in East that uh, weren't great. Basically it's like, um, there's like a fast food type of place, chicken fingers, mozzarella sticks, chicken sandwiches, that stuff you have. Like uh, when I was there, at least it's different for you. It's pasta upstairs, pizza upstairs, but pizza, especially in the middle of uh, Pennsylvania is not going to be good. And it sucks for me and Noah because not only is the pizza not good here, but we're also used to eating like, you know, New York style pizza, like these great like brick oven places at home. I know one of the last pieces of pizza I had before I came back to Penn State was at Tony D's and that was really good pizza. So I honestly don't think I'm going to even touch pizza out here just because I don't want to ruin the taste of pizza for me. I know my first semester here last year, this girl was her birthday on our floor that we were friends with and she was like, my dad's ordered pizza for us. So I was like, oh, yeah. And then I remember that we're in the middle of State College, Pennsylvania, ordering pizza. And, like, that pizza is just terrible. Her dad ordered pizza like, for she, her? Like, gave her, she, like, gave her the credit card. Like, if you and your friends want to, like, order a pizza or something to celebrate your birthday, we could do that. So they ordered from this place, Canyon Pizza, which is oh, known God. as, like, the, it's like the drunk pizza you yeah. get. It's, like, I think it's, like, $8 for a pie bigger than a regular eight-slice pie from a, any place that you have in your hometown. But the pizza is so bad. So the food is probably something you have to get adjusted to, and that's why I told you. It's probably best to start ordering DoorDash like once or twice a week just so you can eat like, you know, food that's from a place that is known for me. Like I get Chipotle a lot. Um, we one of those Panera places the other day. That was good. Yeah. So and then you have the hub options, which are good. But I don't want to get too specific just because most of our listeners probably aren't at Penn State. But uh, besides that, how's your adjustment here been? It's been good. I mean, I had uh, my first couple classes yesterday and today and plugged away just doing work on that and uh, trying to stay in a routine. I'm kind of like a big or, uh, routine guy or in a guy back home. So I've been doing my work and uh, sitting in the room and then getting out a lot. I mean, it's, it's such a weird time to be at college just with like having to wear a mask when you go to the bathroom or having to wear a mask when you're going to somebody's dorm on your, even if you're on your floor and then you can't go to other people's dorms or in other residence halls. There's just a lot of weird aspects to it. Uh, I mean, I know we've talked about this a lot, but we're not even sure how long we're going to last or I'm going to last. I mean, you might be able to stay, be in an apartment, uh, but me and the freshman dorm, they kind of have had that mask up or pack up thing. And we're kind of convinced that that tuition deadline, August 31st, once we hit that, they might just be like, all right, we're going home. So 
Uh, I kind of have that in the back of my mind right now, but uh, just trying to enjoy it while I can and get used to it. But this is the first time I've honestly thought about baseball or a podcast in the last week. Uh, I haven't been watching baseball really at all. I mean, the last time I watched, I was back home and the Yankees got swept by Tampa Bay. And uh, then we had a weekend off because of the Mets COVID cases. I think it was two players, right, and a staff member or something It was like a that. player and a staff member, so two total people at the clubhouse. And just to go off what you said, the Mets were starting to play better, but, you know, they were playing against the Miami Marlins, who last time we recorded a podcast, we were talking about whether the Marlins could sustain their great play or not. And we both said it's kind of just – one of those random circumstances that they kind of got hot in a weird season. So the Mets are playing well at that point. I, I think uh, I have the game up now, but apparently their doubleheader tonight against the Marlins. There's a rain delay right now. They're supposed to play two games. I believe they're down three nothing with Porcello's pitching, but the Mets were playing better. But since then, I really haven't. I don't think I've watched much baseball. I think the, Sunday night we watched a couple innings of Braves Phillies, but that's literally the only baseball I've watched. In a way, I almost forgot about baseball for a little bit, which is funny because. This is actually one of those episodes we have a good amount to talk about, and I think part of that is because we have this um, – we, we haven't gone on a podcast for two weeks. So quickly, I'm just going to run through the standings. The American League East, the Yankees are 16-9. and nine. They are technically top of the division, although the Rays have more wins at 19-11. and 11. They've played more games, obviously. Behind them are the surprising Blue Jays. They're 14-13, and 13, not a bad record. The Orioles are 14-14 and 14 ahead of the Boston Red Sox, who are 9-20 and 20 on the year. You want to talk about them a little bit before we go to the next division? I don't need to shit talk them too much. It, it does warm my heart, but we expected them to be terrible. Uh, so this isn't really anything shocking. Uh, I'm just kind of – it's almost like surreal as a Yankee fan. Like two years ago, a team was just full – they were world beaters, and they just won every close game. They got great starting pitching. They got clutch hitting. They won the World Series. Uh, Cora, I hated, you know, hated a lot of the players there. And then now they're just such like a sorry team. Um, you know, they're still a very good organization. They've won four World Series uh, since 2003 when they broke the curse. And uh, so they can definitely afford a couple bad years, but it is great to see them uh, at the bottom of the division. Yeah, and I remember when the Mets played them in early August, their lineup was still pretty solid. They still have some names there for sure. So I figured they would at least be able to hit their way to some wins. But a team that's 9-20, and 20, it, you can't blame it on the pitching as bad as it is completely because uh, you have some of your players. We talk about Andrew Benatendi. He's just been pretty horrendous this year. Granted, it's hard to replace a guy like Mookie Betts, who's a potential MVP candidate right now, although he's in the same division and obviously the same league as the scorching hot Fernando Tatis, who we'll talk about later. But I figure with that Red Sox lineup, they'd at least be able to be competitive in certain games. I don't think they were a playoff team necessarily, even with the expanded playoff. But at 9-20, and 20, I mean – they're throwing guys around. I think Brandon Workman, you said, was probably their best reliever. And they sent him to Philadelphia, if I'm not mistaken. So it's not looking too good there. They're nine and a half games out of that division already. The AL Central, no surprise here. The Twins are 20 and 10. We've talked about them plenty. Nothing much to say. And two teams tied at 17 and 12 for second place in the division, the Chicago White Sox and the Cleveland Indians. We'll talk about them real quick as we finish off. The Tigers and the Royals are the next two teams under them. No surprises there. So. Why don't we talk a little bit about White Sox-Indians? What are your thoughts? I think we've said that Cleveland is a team that we expected to compete. Uh, you texted me the other day, said there's no reason that this team should be a playoff team because of how bad their offense has been, but their pitching has been so solid. I know Mike Clevenger hasn't pitched in a while. Zach Plesak hasn't because of that whole coronavirus incident. But, um, yeah, I mean, Shane Bieber, we're going to talk about him in a uh, question later on the episode. But uh, what are your thoughts on this division so far, if you want to talk more White Sox? Because I think Indians pretty self-explanatory. Well, the White Sox, we knew they'd be able to rake, and that's kind of how they've been winning. Lucas Giolito's been okay. He's starting for them tonight. He's got a 3.9 ERA. Definitely not the guy he was last year, but he's still been pretty good. 
Uh, Tim Anderson, Eloy Jimenez, Jose Abreu has been really hot. Luis Robert, obviously a great player. Edwin Encarnacion, as bad as he was in the postseason last year, is a good regular season player, and he's playing well. Uh, they've just got a lot of bats there. And, uh, you know, Makata isn't having a huge season. He's 763 OPS, but we know he's got an odd streak in him too. And this is kind of like what we thought when we were doing our predictions for the season, is that a team like the White Sox, our team, uh, in a 60-game season, they could bash their way to a lot of wins, kind of what we expected from the Red Sox maybe. Uh, but the White Sox at least kind of have like a – slightly maybe below average or average pitching staff. And with that and the power that they have and the deep lineup and depth that they have, um, I'm not too surprised to see them 17 and 12, especially given that they've got two teams in that division that are really bad uh, with Detroit and Kansas City. Uh, as far as Cleveland goes, I mean, I think they're hitting under 200 as a team. I know when I texted you that it was 196. I'm sure it's gone up a little bit since then uh, because they've won, I want to say, three in a row. Um, but they're they're really just feeding off their pitching staff. Uh, they've had a lot of guys come up. Uh, that kid McKenzie the other day, I think 10 strikeouts in six innings. Uh, Shane Bieber is probably a Cy Young favorite. We had a question about Shane Bieber. We'll dive into him a little bit later. Um, they've got a lot of depth in that rotation. Savali, Carlos Carrasco is still there. Clevenger's down in the minor leagues. Uh, he's supposed to start for Cleveland, I think, tomorrow. Uh, Police X still down in the minor leagues after that whole incident with them going out. Uh, for to the bar or whatever, and then uh, Cleveland kind of had to make a statement. But they, they don't really hit, but they still got a couple hitters that you'd be afraid of, and their pitching is just really good from top to bottom as a staff. So I'm not too surprised to see them where they are, but I also don't think that they're a legitimate contender uh, really in a five- or seven-game series just because of that offense I can't see scoring more than like two or three runs a game. Uh, their pitching will be good, but Beaver can't throw every game, and they've got other guys, but – uh, once you hit the postseason, a lot of those guys don't have postseason experience. So we'll, we'll see with Cleveland. But uh, I think as Indians fans have some to be happy about, some to be worried about. Yeah, so the Chicago White Sox are a team I was kind of hard on right in the, uh, the – not the beginning of the offseason, but kind of in that point of the offseason where most of the moves were already made, teams were gearing up for spring training, and shortly before coronavirus kind of shut everything down. But I remember one of my hot takes, which doesn't seem like a hot take to some, was that the White Sox wouldn't make the playoffs. And I know you said, like, it's barely a hot take. And then I had people in our mentions saying that that was a freezing cold take. But they're technically proving me wrong at the same time. It's whatever. Like, it's a 60-game season. I think we should go through our hot takes list later because I was just looking at those while you were talking. It's pretty funny. That'll make a good segment. But uh, Are they terrible? Some, some of them are good. Like, I had uh, one of them was that Alex Bregman's going to regress, but everyone really has. And then I had one where it was, like, uh, Noah Syndergaard will, like, uh, improve off of his recent struggle to become an all-star. You had one that said the Yankees have three uh, pitchers finishing the top ten in Cy Young. Yeah, great. We'll get to that later. But, we have, uh, like, one pitcher on our staff. Yeah. Uh, no surprises in the AL Central there besides the White Sox to a certain extent. And then we have the American League West where the Oakland Athletics, top of that division, they're 20 and 10 and playing really great baseball they have all year. The Houston Astros, who have recently surged, they're now 16 and 13. Um their last 10 games were 7-3. and three. At the beginning of the season, they were struggling. They were getting memed on Twitter. Altuve was throwing balls into the stands, striking out, looking, all that stuff. You have the Rangers at 11-17, and 17, very disappointing for them. The Mariners, 11-19. and 19. And a team that, especially with the expanded playoff, we pretty much rode into the playoffs. We figured they were going to get there just on their bats alone. They're 9-21, and 21, the Los Angeles Angels. So two teams that are really important to highlight, I think, here are the Oakland Athletics and – the 20 and 10, I know we talked about them. We might have talked a little bit of shit about them earlier in the year, just saying how they're kind of a team that they have a good year every other year. You know, they make a wild card run. 
And it was a little unfortunate for them because there were a lot of times where those Astro teams would have, what, 105, 106 wins, something like that. So even when Oakland was north of 95 wins, they had to play a one-game playoff, and then they have to go play in the Bronx against a team like the Yankees, and, you know, that's just a recipe for disaster. You're not really winning postseason baseball games at Yankee Stadium. But to our surprise, they're 20 and 10. They're playing great baseball. And also the Angels are 9 and 21, so kind of uh, two different sides of this. What have you seen in the AL West early on so far? I uh, just I'm really disappointed in the Angels. That was the team I rode into the playoffs. I think it was my second wild card behind Tampa Bay in the old format, and then I think I had them as the fifth seed uh, in the new format still. And I thought that their offense would just be better than it's been. I know, and it's been good. Don't get me wrong; like they're still, I think, a top fifteen offensive team. Uh, but I expected, you know, Trout would have his typical MVP season, which he has not had. Uh, Trout's slashing 255, 331, 575, still a great slugging percentage, but a 140 weighted runs created plus. Uh, if you go through Trout's years, a 140 weighted run created plus would be his lowest ever uh, for a full season. He's been 167, 176, 171, 180, 190, etc. And it's sad because a 140 is still very good. Oh, it's very, it's very good, yeah. but even he's like not having a typical Trout year. It would be like LeBron not averaging close to triple double every yeah, year. Yeah, no, don't get me wrong. I'm not. Trout's the best player in the league. I'm not knocking him at all. I'm just saying that this is uh, part of the reason why I guess they haven't been as great. But really the biggest reason is they're starting pitching. Uh, Dylan Bundy's been good for them. I've seen his name in trade talks. I don't know why the hell they trade him. Pretty good wagon, and they'll send our entire the rest of our future for Dylan Bundy. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know why the hell they trade him. Like he's finally got a good young starting pitcher with control, and then you want to move him uh, oh, after a couple good starts. Like it seems stupid to me. So, uh, but he's been good. The rest of the staff's been <laughs> terrible. Can you bless me, please? Bless you. That might be our first sneeze on the podcast. I ever thought We're about that. that out. No, right. no way. I mean. Think about our last episode, the amount of bullshit we talked about that we didn't cut out. Uh, I think true. a sneeze like, is okay. Like the, with the girl and everything. Yeah, so well, yeah. I think we just keep rolling from there. But. Yeah, I don't know what that is. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, man. Uh, so well, I was talking about the Angels. I, I think you have Rendon's stats pulled up. Rendon's having a great year, too. Um, he but, started off the season. Not, I'll say started off the season like his first three games. I was like, yeah, this dude was like one of my high picks in fantasy, and he's Playing pretty poorly. He's hitting 326, a 463 on base percentage, 568 slugging percentage, weighted run created plus at 179, which is just phenomenal. Uh, to be honest, I hadn't even looked at his numbers too much this year. I, I kind of just had him in my fantasy lineup out of necessity, and I was just let him go. I, I'm not I'm not going to be one of those guys who sits and watches Angels games just to see Anthony Rendon hit. I watched him hit plenty when he played against the Mets 30-something times a year, and he destroyed us. So uh, I'm glad he's having a good year. I think we said – on our power rankings or our player rankings, he was the third best player in baseball, if I'm not mistaken. I think Second fourth. or third, something like we that. Put okay. him fourth. I think we had, I mean, that's obviously Regardless, changed, I think uh, my opinion might be a little different now, but I think last we had as Trout, Betts, Yelich, or Yelich, Betts, Rendon. Yeah, so he's pretty much performing as we expected him to. Uh, just a phenomenal season for him so far. As we move into the rest of the MLB standings, we're going to head over to the National League now, if I could find my over there. So in the NL East, this is a division I want to talk about a little bit for obvious reasons, but I know you had this noted before in the podcast notes. That it sucks. The Braves, yes. And the Braves are 16-12 and 12 on the year. The Marlins are 12-11 and 11 in second place. The Mets are 12-14 and 14 sitting in third. The Nationals are 11-15. And, and pour one out for the Philadelphia Phillies, 10-14. I don't give a single shit that they're 10-14 and 14 lost in the division because I just don't like Philadelphia sports. As you, you uh, might not, you might already, not see it now. Really bitter about, about, about being here. You might not see it now, but once you get involved in radio and stuff and you're going out and you're seeing Phillies jerseys and you meet kids in class that are all these Philly sport homers, uh, no offense to Joey, he was a big Eagles fan out there. 
uh, you'll realize that out there. You'll, he's out there <laughs> he's somewhere. Like watch watch out for him. But um, you'll realize that the Philly fans just kind of start to piss you off, especially being a big New York sports fan because they're pretty much rivals with every sport. I'm a fan, uh, every sports team that I support. But I'm glad the Phillies are down there. Anyway, let's talk about this division because the Atlanta Braves, a team we thought was probably the favorite head into the division. Then were the Mets when everyone was healthy, and then all of a sudden you lose Noah Syndergaard, Marcus Stroman opts out. The Mets don't hit with the runners in scoring position, and it's kind of you don't know who's going to finish where in that division, but. I think it's no one's surprised the Braves are 16 and 12, top of that division. Um, how do you think the Braves have played this year? Do you think they've underperformed? Do you think, given what's going on, you think 16 and 12 is okay for them and probably a good starting point? Do you think if they brought back like Dan Ugla, they'd like they'd like scare you? Dan like, Ugla? This team just doesn't scare me. Like I don't know. Like who are the old Braves guys that we really need? Um, I'm trying to think. Because like Chipper Jones would get the fuck yeah, out like, of me. That's if obvious. If they Chipper Jones, I'd be scared of them. But I'm kind of like the way know, Ronald Acuna started the year. No one really scares uh, I'm me. I'm sorry, like, but Atlanta's not winning the World Series. I'm gonna take my chances throwing to Dansby Swanson. Like he just doesn't have that presence. He's having a good year. Throwing obviously him? no, like throwing to him. Oh, I thought obviously you... obviously you have Freddie Freeman, who's been you know one of the three or four best first basemen in baseball for God knows how long. Acuna started off the year slow. I gotta imagine he's picked it up since then. Uh, Ozzy Elvis. Ozzy Elvis is also on the IL, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. He's uh he was a formidable part of my fantasy lineup. That's currently in first place, if I'm not mistaken, and he's on the IL. He's been on the IL for a while now, but. Braves are staying afloat. I think one guy I am scared of on the uh, Braves roster is Travis Darno, former Mets, hitting over 300 on the year. Uh, you're scared of him because he had a three-run home run game against the Yankees, if I'm not yeah, three home run so game stupid, against them. Dude. The, heat, the, the Rays scored five runs in that game last year, and he drove in all five. It was two solo shots and a three-run shot off Chapman with, I think, two strikes and two outs at the bottom of the ninth inning, or top of the ninth inning last year. But he killed us. I'm not surprised. That's kind of what happens is, like, Mets players don't kill us when they're on the Mets. But when they leave the Mets, they tend to kill us. It's weird yeah. how it happens. Well, it happens, it happens to the Mets also. When, like Travis Darno got cut by Brody Van Wagenen, basically. I think he came back from a Tommy John surgery or some type of season-ending surgery the previous year. And then he came back, and then within like 20 plate appearances last year, Brody cut him, which I think it's maybe a little unfair to give a guy it's probably what five, six games worth of at-bats, maybe a couple more to figure himself out after season-ending surgery, missing better part of a year and then cutting him. But – I was kind of over Travis Darno at that point. He couldn't throw runners out. He never got it together with his bat. But notice as soon as he leaves, he's a big part of the Braves' offense. And he, as we said before, he was pretty good for the Tampa Bay Rays. But I don't really want to talk about the Marlins. I think they're going to continue to regress. Okay, you have Wilson Ramos and I Thomas do have, Nito. Wilson Ramos oh, has like Nito a, got COVID, I think. I think he's on the IL. Wilson Ramos has like a 500 OPS or something like that. Tomas Nito was actually playing well for us. He was hitting above 300 in Didn't he hit a grand slam size. He did hit a grand slam. Um, hey, do you want to know Darno's numbers? I, I, it's better you don't tell me them for the for, for my sake, please. Okay. All right. uh, you, could tell, you can tell them off air, so I don't get made fun of. But the 12-14 Mets, their biggest problem this year. They're starting pitching... Obviously, he hasn't been good, but when Jacob DeGrom is your ace, and then after that, you don't know who's going to pitch the next day, besides maybe Rick Porcello, who was uh, who struggled. He's already given up three runs in this game against the Marlins, which is currently in a rain delay at the time we're recording this. Marcus Stroman opted out. I'm not sure if we talked about that last podcast. I, I don't remember. I don't care. Dave, it doesn't really matter if we talk about it now. Marcus Stroman's no longer playing for the New York Mets, so he finishes his Met career pitching in probably like 10 games to finish off the month of August and September. Another great trade. And Brody gave away two of our pretty good prospects. I believe it was Anthony Kay and um, 
I forget the other guy's name now. It was Simone. Yeah, Simone Woods Richardson. Anthony K. Simone Wood Richardson. Yeah, I think so. Something like that. Uh, I should not know that. But they were those were two pretty high level prospects. I know uh, Woods Richardson was kind of younger, but he had a lot of promise. I think he had an electric fastball. And Anthony K. is a guy who made some good starts with the Blue Jays last year. Haven't followed him too much since, but uh, just another one of those Brody Van Wagenen trades that you could avoid by spending money, which maybe isn't all Brody's fault, but. Not only do you let Wheeler go and trade our prospects away for Stroman, you also badmouth Zach. You badmouth Zach Wheeler when he leaves, saying, "I'm glad we helped him put together two half good seasons in his career with the Mets." Something like that. See, Brody tried to be smarter than every other GM, and all the GMs were just like, "Great, go ahead, Brody. Like, have fun. Try yeah. to trade for somebody in a season that you're not going to probably make the playoffs, and then you have control of them for next year. But there's labor dispute stuff. You're probably not going to keep them long term." You have probably a better pitcher in Wheeler. Eh, let him go. But it's not his fault because you can't spend the money. Like, I know that Wolfpons didn't want to pay Wheeler, but Brody was just kind of just being stupid as well. I mean, calls, but. the guys also traded six or seven prospects. These aren't top prospects in our system, but six or seven prospects nonetheless for Jake Marisnik, Billy Hamilton, and uh, who's the other center fielder? Uh, Keon Broxton, I know he traded for last year. So it's like, I don't know what the guy's doing. Mets fans who want to defend Brody, I, probably none of those guys out there because Mets fans are hard on everybody. His one good move, J.D. Davis, has been phenomenal for the Mets. He's been one of our best hitters for 2019 and the beginning of 2020 through the first 20-something games we've played. The bottom line with the Mets is their starting pitching is not really there, obviously, because of the rotation problems, but their offensive numbers are kind of dreadful in certain aspects of that side of the game where I think they're like third or fourth in the league in batting average in the national league. And then with the runners in scoring position, they're bottom half of the national league. I think it's like 20, something like that. So watching Mets games is frustrating because it's not like they're not hitting. That's the, that's the more frustrating part. They're hitting, but then when they need to get the big hit, they never get it. But 12 and 14 staying afloat. They're probably a playoff team right now, technically because of how the standings work. I'm looking at the rest of these national league records and uh, these like seventh and eighth teams are all pretty bad. Moving the NL Central, surprise for us, me and Noah were very iffy on these guys coming into the season. The Chicago Cubs are 18 and 10, just playing really good baseball. The Cardinals behind them are 10 and 8. They've probably played the fewest games of baseball amongst most teams in Major League Baseball so far. The Brewers behind them at 12 and 15. The Reds, who I had winning the National League on their very good starting pitching and their good lineup, they're 11 and 16. And to no surprise, the Pirates are 7 and 17. Do you think the Reds will trade Bauer? I don't think so. Why think, not? Well, how, how, is he a free agent? Or? Yes. Okay. They're not going to pay him. They don't have that kind of. Money. Oh, if he's a free agent, then yeah. I thought if he's, he had more, if he had more years in his contract, then I would have kept him. But the fact that he's a free agent, I would probably get rid of him. He said he wants to do one-year deals. I don't know how serious that is, but I know he said that he. Well, he's wanted, fucking weird. So he, he said he, he wanted to sign one-year deals for the rest of his career for like thirty million. I can't see Cincinnati going thirty million for a year. What happens? But I think like the Yankees would. I think the Dodgers would. I think the Phillies would. What happens? Knock on wood. He cuts his hand off with the drone or he gets Tommy John surgery. And next thing you know, he's getting Matt Harvey type deals. Like that's the, that's the risky thing. I know he's, you know, a progressive guy. He's calls himself citizen 42069 on Twitter. He's tweeting at Rob Manfred and uh, defending Joe Kelly with those cleats. He's a kooky guy, but he's, I guess he's good for the game of baseball. But um, I think just given where they are right now, if they're not, if they don't pick up their play soon by whenever the trade deadline is, I think they have to deal with them, especially if he's a free agent, but I think this is still a red team and has a lot of good parts of them. If they could start to play better, then I would hold on to them. If you're the Yankees, you're looking at Bauer for a month and a half. What would you give up for him? Would you give up Frazier for four or five years of Frazier? 
for a month and a half of power? Uh, I probably would, honestly. I, I think like, I would, too. I feel like the ship has sailed with Clint Frazier. I feel like every time he plays for the Yankees, he hits well. But there's always these internal problems where it's, you know, he had like, kind of like a mini meltdown with the media. He'll make fun of him because he can't really play defense. It's gotten better. Um, he's gotten better, that's fair to say. Same thing with some guys. J.D. Davis has actually been one of the better Mets fielders this year. It's kind of a similar situation where the guy can rake, but he can't really play on the other side of the field. But honestly, I think the Yankees, especially they have – Talent in the minor league system, a guy I know personally. Shout out Robert Pimpson for telling us about this guy extra, Jason Dominguez. Sure that guy's him. an absolute tank. I highly doubt he's going to be ready for another couple years at least. He's, what, 17, 18 years old? 18. Like that. They project 2022. So Which is ridiculous. He's going to be like Trout. Yeah. He's not going to be Trout. I'm not saying that. But he's going to be like Trout where he comes up and he plays center probably from the age of 21. Yeah, and if you look at the Yankees outfield, obviously you have Aaron Judge, who missed a little bit of time earlier last week and a couple weeks before. You have Stan, who is either on the IL or he's still on the IL. I'm not sure. Stanton's going to be on the IL until 2028. And it sucks because he's had a good year, uh, or he's having a good year at least. You have Aaron Hicks. How's he been this year? Better than casual fans think. Yeah. Like casual fans see he's hitting 220 and they're yeah. like, hey, this guy sucks. And Brett Gardner's but a guy that seems like you're over. I feel like if I was a Yankee fan, I'd be over. I mean, uh, shout out. Gardner's we, we been there him. forever. We love him. I'm sure you guys like, love him, but he's I'm not part of your future no, plans. he's like a fifth outfielder, yeah. which is fine. If he wants to hang around and be the like clubhouse leader and the fifth outfielder, okay. But he's like still playing. He's playing tonight. Yeah. Like I'm kind of good on that. Like I'd rather play Talkman. Talkman's had a really good year. But I, going back to what we were saying, I think I do Frazier for Bowers straight up. We think Cincinnati would do that. Get four or five years with the extended, with the expanded rosters and the DH and the NL. You think they do that? I'm sure they would. They might ask for something else, whether it's cash, like some type of pick or something like that, or maybe a lower level minor leaguer. But it's entirely possible because they have Trevor Bauer for what it would be another month and a half, and especially if they continue to play the way they have, eleven sixteen. Uh, it's at that point, you know, you're not going to sign them just because. They're Cincinnati Reds are not going to pay a guy a ton, whether he wants a one mil, one year, $30 million contract or not. I just don't think the Reds are a team that's going to pay their pitcher like that. And at the same time, you look at the Yankees, like you mentioned, Mike Talkman's been a good guy for them that kind of came out of nowhere. Um, and something that a lot of other teams, I know the Mets have done it is the team, a team like New York Yankees, if you look at most of their positions around the field, they have guys who can hit, they can hit for average, they can hit for power. If you have to pick up an outfielder to, let's say, Clint Frazier is going to be part of your plans in the future to play outfield and you know, you trade him, you get Trevor Bauer. You could just get one of those center fielders that can play good defense and doesn't hit well. I mean, the Yankees are a team that have probably six or seven above average hitters at worst. I'm talking like your Aaron Judges, you know, your Giancarlo Stans, your Luke Voigt, these are elite hitters. Then you have guys around them, your Gio Rochellas, even Gary Sanchez, despite his struggles. You have so many good bats around them that you can afford to have a guy that doesn't hit as well. So I don't think with Clint Frazier, I don't think you're missing him as much if you trade him because you don't need him to be that elite bat just because, like I said, you have so many other bats. So I think – that's actually a pretty good move. It's something I didn't really think of, but that rotation, if you have Garrett Cole, who's, you know, been the bulldog, the Yankees have expected him to be. And then you have Trevor Bauer, whatever happens with Paxton, whether he's healthy or not. That's my um, thing. I was like, if Paxton has a flexor strain, he might not need Tommy John. They didn't recommend it because there's no damage to the ligament, but he's probably going to be out for another two weeks. And then you've got to build him back up. It's really like a month long injury. And then you're kind of looking at him coming back with about two weeks until the postseason. And he didn't even have his best stuff when he was pitching. So I'm not even really expecting much out of him. I actually think I have higher expectations for Montgomery at this point. So you have Cole and Tanaka. And then after that, it's just a bunch of question marks. We have Clark Schmidt in the minor leagues. He has not come up yet. I do not know why. Uh, I hope he pitches, you know, at least one of these days. I mean, the Yankees have 35 games in 34 days. So 
I'm hoping that he comes up, but I, I still don't really understand why he hasn't come up. Because, I mean, if they're going to – if they're looking to trade Schmidt, you want him up here and showcasing him. If you don't want to trade him, I'm pretty sure we're past the point where service time is an issue. Now you should just be using him because he's your best option. He's one of your 60 guys in your player pool. I don't understand why he's not up. So, the one I was thinking about Bauer. I don't know if Cincy deals him or not. Let's see how they play this week. I'm sure we'll get more from that later. Uh, I have one more for you, Clevenger. What would you give up for Clevenger if you were a Yankee or the Yankees? I think, like you said, it also depends on who the Yankees have because I don't know if it's worth it to give a boatload away for a guy. You pair up with Garrett Cole, Clevenger, and Cole, but then who's behind them? It doesn't really matter if you have two aces if the guys behind them aren't going to perform. Well, Tanaka's going to be fine in the postseason. But then you said – Montgomery is a four. It's okay. Yeah. We do a bullpen. We have a green. Will Isaac kind of piece it together that way. And is Clevenger, how many, deal, how many years does he have in his deal still? I think he's like two or three years. So Cleveland's going to ask for but a I lot. But I think he'd, he'd ask for a lot more, and Cleveland's also a playoff team right now. I figured in yeah, a 60-game season. Yeah, they said they're going to deal a pitcher before next week. In a 60-game season, though, why not just take a shot with a couple aces or something like that? Especially if you don't think you're going to get as much of a haul as you would if you waited another year. It's just not how Cashman operates. That's the thing. Well, I'm talking about from the perspective. Well, yeah, I know what you're doing. I think I think what we're going to end up doing is getting like somebody from Seattle, like a Taiwan Walker or something like that, and just like a rental and just cross your fingers. Because Cashman's a gambler, and he's great at it. He usually you know, will win. but Especially with Sonny Gray. We haven't won a World Series. Yeah, Sonny <laughs> Uh, we kind of got sidetracked talking about the Yankees again. Yeah. Uh, quickly to talk about the NL Central, the Cubs are that surprise team we've talked about. Uh, Jason Kipnis has had a little bit of a career revival. I think he's got an OPS close to a thousand. He's nine seventy seven on the year. You have Ian Happ who's had a really good year. He's got an OPS of nine eighty six. Jason Hayward's had a pretty solid season. He's like your classic two fifty two sixty player that plays good defense and is. Every year you hear him say he changes his swing, and this year we're going to get the real Jason He's Hayward. in the best shape of his yeah. life. He's been solid. Um, He's a clubhouse guy. I was, was going to call you a clubhouse guy before. Chris Bryant's had a pretty terrible year. He's played in 16 games. The OPS is 594, hitting 177 on the year. But it's pay him 200 million. Good yeah. Luck. The uh, standout for them, though, for the Cubs, is you Darvish is a .92 whip on the year with a 1.7 ERA. He's a guy I bashed previously on this podcast. And he's pitched well, credit to him. Uh, he's been a guy who's always injured, kind of pitching the four ERA since he got that big deal. But shout out to you, Darvish. No surprise why the Cubs are 18 and 10 at top of the NL Central. Apologies real quick for this next segment coming up. Uh, I kind of screwed up the audio here. Pretty sure we're recording out of one of my roommate's microphones, which is like upstairs across the entire apartment itself. So it sounds like me and Noah at the bottom of a swimming pool and the microphone's on the top of a, of a diving board or something so, like so that. So basically our Robert Pimpster interview. Basically our Robert Pimpster interview with slightly better quality. So um, if you guys want to skip the next 29 minutes and 32 seconds, feel free. Uh, jump into Brian's Trivia Minute, which comes after that. But uh, for the loyal listeners who want to bear down and listen to it, we appreciate you guys. But um, Turn the volume up. I'll be careful next time. I apologize. Finish off our division rundowns as some teams are halfway through their season. I think a lot of teams have played 30 games, and then, like I said, the Cardinals have played like 18 games, something like that. But technically, we're at the halfway point in the season. National League West, absolutely no surprises here. The Dodgers, 22-8, and eight, playing fantastic baseball. I said they're a team that could potentially hit that 40-win mark, and I think it's quite plausible right now. Behind them is a team we definitely want to talk about. The San Diego Padres are 18-12. and 12. Before we talk about them, we're just going to finish the teams. Behind them, we have Colorado Rockies. 14 and 15, they're a surprise team. They were playing better baseball recently, uh, or they were playing prior to this recent skid. They're 2 and 8 in the last 10 games, which is kind of what we expect from the Rockies, unfortunately. But prior to that, they were playing phenomenal baseball. The Giants at 14 and 16. And behind them, the Arizona Diamondbacks, who I was pretty high on at the beginning of the season. They're 13 and 17. So 
Nothing to really talk about with the Dodgers. Mookie Betts is an MVP candidate for sure. He's having a great year. We expected that. San Diego Padres, I think we talked about them, or something I said was, like, people have to remember that Fernando Tatis is still a thing because I think the baseball world kind of forgot about him when he got hurt and Pete Alonso ran away with the rookie of the year. I'm not trying to plug him. Just that's what happens. But Fernando Tatis, all of a sudden, he comes back. I also said this on the basement combos. Just watch out for that guy because people kind of forgot about him. Like, they forgot about Machado and Bryce Harper. These are three guys that, you know, kind of just fell off a cliff since uh, – other players like the spotlight last year. Manny, or Fernando Tatis now has been probably the best player in baseball, if not one of the five or six best players in baseball. We're looking at fan graphs right now. But Slam Diego Padres, 18 and 12. First of all, let's talk about that controversy the other night where they were up, I want to say, what, like 10, 11 runs, something like that, against the Rangers. And Fernando Tatis, whether he got a take sign or not, got a 3-0 pitch that he liked, bases loaded, and he hit the ball at the ballpark. And not only... The Rangers and uh, Rangers coach, that's his name. Uh, Woodward. Woodward, yeah, I was going to call him Goodward. Uh, Woodward was mad about that. Hayward. He, he brought up the unwritten rules of baseball, which I think are the stupidest thing, and I'm glad that the new wave of baseball fans are kind of writing down that unwritten rules shouldn't be a thing because it's the Major League Baseball. It's Major League Baseball. There's none of this running a lead or running the score up, I should say. 12 nothing game, whatever the score was, don't throw a fastball down the middle to the best player in baseball at the moment because he's probably going to hit the ball to the ballpark. It's that simple. And they're going to matter at him. It's, when you have a guy, a young guy like that, he's electric, he's good for baseball. He's, pro- he's playing for his first five or six years in baseball are going to determine his future, whether he gets a huge contract, whether he's on a smaller contract, whatever he does. He's a guy who's playing with a lot of electricity, and to give him a take center to make him not swing because the team's already up by 10, 11 runs, I think is just stupid. And it makes Tatis look bad, especially considering Padres' manager – was kind of in favor of what Woodward said about um, how he said it's an unwritten rule. You can't do that. You can't run up the score. And the fact that your manager is not backing you as one of the best players in baseball is not only a bad thing for the Padres organization, but it's a bad thing for baseball itself, especially in a sport where it's hard to market your stars. We've seen Manfred and the MLB have had trouble with that. On top of it, this is a sport that's losing popularity to the National Basketball Association, the NFL, and stuff like that. So what is your take on Slam Diego Padres and well, I was really surprised, and the thing that bothered me the most about the situation was Jace Tingler pretty much just throwing his own player in the face of his franchise underneath the or under the bus. I know Tingler's boys with Woodward. He worked with Texas before he was the Padres manager, so that's important to note. Uh, so I think he was kind of trying to protect his own relationship rather than protect his player. Uh, so I did have an issue with that, but um, you know, if he let's just say Tatis knew that he had a take sign, and he like I, we could pretend that. He didn't know or whatever, but say Tatis looked down at his third base coach, he saw the take sign, he said, screw it, and then he hit the grand slam. I have an issue with that a little bit just because that's coach, right. and you should still be following that. But, but I don't think the Padres coach, his name I don't even know, he says Tingler? Yeah, Jason Tingler. That's right. He never, when he had that press conference, he didn't say, I gave Fernando a take sign, he swung through it. He, he just brought up the whole unwritten rule thing, which is, yeah. if, if, he, if he swung through a take sign, I get that. He well, no, no, I agree him. with you, because I was yeah. gonna, what I was going to say was, if... He didn't uh, – the, here's the thing. You should never have to apologize for hitting a grand slam. And the unwritten base, rules of baseball, I agree with you. I think it's stupid. And, uh, you know, at that, that point of the game, Texas still could have rallied. It was like 7-1 or something like that, or 8-1 maybe. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't like it was 12-0. Uh, so I, I thought that Tatis, you know, having to apologize for hitting a grand slam after the game was ridiculous. Uh, if he did see the take sign, he said, screw it. And it's a little bit different story. You know, I don't think that you should be doing that as a young player. You should listen to the coach. 
Uh, that's just kind of how I was. I was coached. Now we're all kind of coached, um, you know, respect your elders and all that crap. But besides that, you know, I, I think it's kind of ridiculous. Uh, I honestly, this happened like a week ago, and I had a lot stronger thoughts about it then. I wish we'd done something on this night because yeah. I kind of forgot like the whole situation. But Tatis is the star of that team. He's probably going to be the best player in the league at some point. He's fun to watch. He's electric. He's got. He's a five-tool player. He'll make a lot of all-star teams. He might win an MVP one day. And, uh, you know, when you have that guy and you're a small market team like the Padres are, or at least media market, and you kind of throw him under the bus, that's just setting yourself up for failure in the future. So what happened was, I believe the Padres were up 10-3. Okay. I thought that they were up more, but league. it was when it was Machado got thrown at when they were up by 11 runs. I thought that's when Montatis hit the home run. The thing is, I know I always go back to the Mets, just the team I watch. Think about the Mets or any other team. It's not impossible for a team that doesn't have a great bullpen or just any team in general to give up a seven-run lead, especially late in the game. I mean, you look at games last year where Edwin Diaz blew a save, Kurt Suzuki gets a three-run home run, the Mets go into the bottom of the ninth. Oh, six or seven runs, they blow the lead. You look at a game, the Mets have lost like 23-5, to five, uh, like a 23-5 to five score against the Nationals where Jose Reyes or... You know, Luis Guillorme is pitching, and there's no no problem with that. Na- no problem with the Nationals scoring 23 runs, but as soon as one person gets offended because the team's up seven runs and you're hitting a grand slam, I think it's ridiculous. Like I said, it's a seven-run lead. I know it's in baseball, seven runs aren't exactly easy to come across, but any team with Joey Gallo can hit a grand You walk a couple guys, Joey Gallo gets up, it's a three-run home run, a grand slam, it's a three-run game just like that. It's not that hard, especially seven runs. I mean, when I was talking about it, when I thought it was like 10, 11 runs, even I was defending it, but the fact that it was only a seven-run lead, especially with the way bullpens are in baseball, blowing games left and right, you never know. So I think it's really stupid. I don't want to talk about this too much just because it's kind of in the past now. We've gotten over that issue. Fernando Tatis continues to rake. Uh, he's kind of taking the baseball world by storm, and he's someone who's great for the sport of baseball moving forward. Yeah, 314, 396, 678, 183, waiter was created plus 2.1 war already. So that's kind of MVP type season. Uh, I don't know if he'd be able to sustain that over a full season, but it's just that the Thomas, of course, highlighted Michael Conforto being on this list too. Um, but I, one thing I wanted to bring up this is kind of like a front office question for you. This is the stuff I think about a lot just because, like, obviously I want to work in it. If you're the AJ Preller in the San Diego Padres, do you say, Fernando, here's a 15-year contract for $350 million. Sign it, and you're here for your life. Would you give him that money? Because I think he would take it. But would you take a risk with him? Do you trust him that much to be the face of the franchise and that effective player over that period of time? I think that talent-wise, he's 100% there, and I think he's proven it. I don't think he's a guy that's having a good 162-game stretch and is going to fall off a cliff like that. I think we saw last year before we got injured, and he picked it right back up this year that he's electric. I mean, we saw him tag up from third base to score on a pop fly to the shortstop last year, second base, something like that. Guy's stealing third base when they're up X amount of runs in that same series against the Rangers. I think the money's not the problem with him. I think the only risk with that, I'm not picking on Tatis because he's a young guy, just anyone in general. If you give someone 15 years, $300 million, however much money it is, at that young of an age, someone hasn't won anything, who hasn't completely proved himself, I think it's a bit of a risk. But if you're talking pure talent-wise, I think he's right there. I just think that especially with the young kid, it might be hard to motivate him to do something after you just gave him 15, 350, something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, 23, it's, 23 it, it's easy for a guy to get his money and just be like, okay, I'm going to continue playing great baseball, but there's no incentive for me to be the best guy in baseball to help his team win a World Series. But 
I don't think that Tatis has done anything that shows that he would be one of those guys. I think you make him the face of the franchise, he's going to do anything he can to help that franchise win. So if the Padres have the money, I think I would give it to him because you keep him and Manny Machado on the left side of the infield for the next 10 years at least, and I think you're going to have serious issues with some of the other guys that have like Paddock, Kirby Yates, and some of the younger players we've talked about. So um, these are the things that you ponder that I never even think of and never even consider. Like I've never thought of the Padres giving him an extension this early, but it's entirely possible. Look at Stan. That's what I'm thinking. Like, the moments of that with Stan, like, hey, we're going to lock you into our franchise and you're going to be the face of it for 15 years. And it's, it's a huge risk, but you kind of look at his prime years, and if he's putting up these kind of numbers, if he's 29, he'd be a free agent. He'd probably get a 10-year deal there anyway. Plus, you also risk, if you don't pay him now, there's a chance he gets even better in the next thing you might have to pay him $450 million, as yeah. opposed to three, three fifty. something Yeah, if he becomes like Sprout. Right. So, like, it, it's something I'd mind. I, I don't even have an answer to it. I don't think Brawler will do it. It was just kind of something that came to mind. Yeah, and the moving on Padres specifically, they're one of those teams that, with baseball, it's really hard to predict in certain ways. You know, you know your Yankees, your Dodgers, your Twins, your Houston. You know, we know these teams are going to be great. But twins. Your Twins. Your, uh, That's such a weird. Yankees, yeah. Dodgers, Twins. Your, twin, your Twinses. I don't know. I guess you'd say Twinses. Your you know Royals. those teams are going to compete. Uh, your Tigers, your Marlins. But the Padres are one of those teams where I feel like once a year, there's at least one or two teams that kind of just strike lightning in a model and just play great baseball. And largely led by Fernando Tatis, the Padres of that team, I think they can make a playoff run. They're and they're very excited. And, and Eric Hosmer, who will, if the, <laughs> if the, if the uh, Padres sign Tatis to a 15 year deal, by the time he retires, there's a chance Eric Hosmer is still in San Diego, just yes. getting his money after that. Just hitting around ball to second base. <laughs> but uh, regardless, I like the Padres a lot. I brought up his stats. You were looking at that before, talking about the Diamondbacks. Their big offseason acquisition. I know they got Sterling Marte, but does Madison Bumgarner, who I wanted to highlight real quick, has a one five five eight WHIP and a nine three five ERA. I call that on the twenty twenty season. I think you said I got on this podcast. I got one of your hot takes was also, despite acquiring Madison Bumgarner, the Arizona Diamondbacks finished the worst record in twenty nineteen. It's going to be different this year, but the pace they're on, they're certainly not getting to that eighty five win mark that they were at last year, if I'm not mistaken, but. Just a pretty horrendous start for them, honestly. Not even a start. That, that's pretty much their team. They've already played halfway, a half of their season. They're thirteen and seventeen. I guess technically, if you have playoff teams like the Mets right now, they're twelve and fourteen. There's a chance that they can step it up. But with the way their ace Madison Bumgarner, uh, I guess he's not really their ace. Their ace is that guy also. Um, always that anyone guy. with the nine three five is not your ace. But a guy you paid what seventy eighty million for with Bumgarner, something yeah. like that. But it's definitely not performing to his money. But it didn't make much sense. This is not a Diamondbacks podcast. It really, so. but it didn't really make any sense. Like I said, like, I can't get it. Like, you want to be competitive. But you're bringing in a guy who's declining pretty much in every way and was declining. He declined off his motorcycle and got hurt. I feel bad about that one. Sorry. Sorry, <laughs> Bumgarner family. Keep going. Yeah, I'm sure they're listening to that. I mean, we have listeners out in, like, Russia or those weird places. Who knows? What are you saying about Russia? Nothing. Nothing. They're not listening. I no, no. It's good. We, we love you, Russia. Mets game is back, and they're down 4-0. Okay, keep going. Sorry. The Yankees just got postponed. So we play 36 games in 33 days. That's awesome. Match 34 and 34, Scott. Jesus. Tampa's going to win the division. Um, beside the point, uh, Arizona, their two best pitchers coming into the year, they thought were Bumgarner and Ray. And Bumgarner's declining and has been in that division, and his stuff's flat, and he throws 91 miles an hour, and it gives up a ton of home runs, and he pitches in a ballpark at Chase Field with the ball flies. Uh, so that's not surprising. And Robbie Ray, I've never been a fan of. The guy's no control, no command. Uh, bad in the postseason when he's been there. He's just not a good pitcher, really. So that's kind of like my thing on the Diamondbacks. Is I'm not that surprised that they are where they are. I didn't have them as a playoff team. 
Uh, their offense I do like. I thought Marte would decline a little bit, but I still think he's kind of in that top 20 to 30 player range. Uh, so I do like Marte. Besides that, like, Peralta's a good player. I like, you know, what Christian Walker can do a little bit at first base, but he's not even, like, a top 10 to 15 first base guy. Uh, he's kind of, like, middle of the pack. So I'm not really too surprised where the Diamondbacks are. I'm surprised the Giants are ahead of them. Uh, the Giants are actually right now at the season end would be the eight seed, and that's kind of terrifying to imagine the Giants playing the Dodgers in the postseason. That would be the most boring series of all time despite the rivalry there. Uh, so that's kind of where we stand with the standings. Um, do you want to – what do you want to get into? I think right now, since we're talking about a combination of teams, playoffs, their performances, and individual players, I think we should just hop into our kind of our MVP slash Cy Young talk that we were going to bring up. Um, I think last time we did this, maybe like the first week or two of the season, it's kind of hard to tell. Numbers are going to be skewed regardless uh, with this season, but I think it's important to note some of the highest and best performances from individual players so far this year. The first guy I want to talk about uh, right off the bat is Louis. <laughs> I wish is Bryce Harper. Noah, I've been calling this guy my MVP since uh, the crack of dawn and the first time we recorded an off-season baseball podcast. Um, I said it on the Basement Combos. I know I referred to them earlier. Shout out those guys, Steve and Dave. Uh, I said that them and Machado, Harper and Machado, they're two guys that – I mean, Harper had a good year, but Machado didn't have a great year with San Diego. And all these guys are getting 12 $13 million, $300-plus million deals. Um, when they play the way they did last year, they're – performing below expectations, that's obvious. But I said, these are huge talents in Major League Baseball. You flash back three or four years ago, these are the young stars in the game. They're going to be the best players in the next 10 years. And all of a sudden, people have forgotten about them. Bryce Harper, I said, was going to turn around for sure. And as I said, my MVP pick, uh, you look at his numbers right now, he's got a 191 weighted runs created, plus a 320 average, a 667 percentage. He, um, he's going to be he's a father of two now. He's got that daddy power. Um Bryce Harper, I'm really, I'm all over that guy. I wanted him to sign with the Mets, even though I, I was bugging you about it when he was a free agent a couple years ago. I knew it was going to happen, but I was on the Bryce Harper and the Mets train, and he's a guy I rooted for for a while, even though it doesn't make sense because he's an he's arrogant, he's an asshole on the field sometimes. He's got the long hair, he drops his helmet off when he runs to second, and he's played against our two biggest division rivals of recent. Yet I love the guy, so um, he's a guy I wanted to talk about. And why don't you take some of the guys at the top, especially yours truly? One thing on Harper, do you think he should cut the hair and the no. beard and everything? No. He looks like Tom Hanks in Caddyshack. Well, he's got to keep it. He's got a 191 weight runs created plus. Or Castaway. Don't make what I said, Caddyshack. Dumb question. If you, if you have a 191 weight runs created plus, or if anything goes going in your life with the long hair, you got to keep it. All right. I remember I cut my hair um, before Portugal played Greece in the 2004 Euro, before they had won any major trophy. I cut my hair that day and they lost it, so I've never cut my hair before a big game since. So that's my personal anecdote about that. Why don't we uh, get back to baseball, because that's what we talk about on here. Hey, really? This is a baseball. This is a base- It's barely a baseball podcast. Uh, Nelson, barely baseball. Nelson Cruz was first on this way to run screen plus list, and that's kind of insane because he's like 50 years old. Uh, but that guy just breaks and breaks and breaks, and he'll never stop breaking. So you got to admire that. Blue Point uh, tied with Cruz for the highest way to run screen plus in baseball: 311, 386, and 730 for Boyd. Uh, I did not expect him to have this huge of a season. I thought he'd have a good year. I thought he'd kind of be in his like. I don't want to say typical because he's honestly been a league level hitter with us since he's been here. But for some reason, I kind of picture Voight as like a 260 hitter with a 350 on base and a 520 slugging. Kind of an OPS in those mid to high 800s, which is still a very good hitter. Uh, not great defensively, but this year it's been weird. Voight's played good defense. Like he's picking balls at first base. He's diving for balls down the line. He's played good defense, and that's why his war is as high as it is, uh, even though it's been limited time. The Yankees haven't really played in the league. 
Uh, so it's been fun to watch Voight. I'm not sure if he's the AL MVP favorite just because of, you know, the body of work needs to be a little bit bigger. And there's some other really big candidates like Brandon Lau in Tampa Bay, as crazy as that sounds. Uh, he's having a terrific season. Um, LeMayhew and Judge on Voight's same team. Uh, you know, Judge only missed, I think, two less games. played two or three less games than these guys. So, I mean, Judge, if he plays 55 games or 54 games, could get to that mark. Uh, so I don't know if it's, it might be hard for a Yankee to win an MVP when they have three guys kind of putting up the same stats offensively. Um, and, you know, Anthony Rendon's up there with his numbers, but things are 9-21. and 21. Kind of the old thing that we used to debate with Trout. Okay, this team's way under 500. Are we really going to put him in the MVP talks? He probably won't. Uh, Kyle Lewis is there for the Mariners. Same kind of deal, but good for him. So Would you, uh, not to cut you off, but no, you're good. Looking at players' war, I know war can kind of be skewed sometimes, but looking at Fernando Tatis on this list, I believe he has the second-best war. He's 0.1 points behind Mike Yastrzemski. How the hell is that? Could you argue that Fernando Tatis – you definitely could argue it, but would you say Fernando Tatis right now is the most valuable player? And that's more on the value side of the argument because I know baseball is a lot of best player, best stats versus value. But would you say that Fernando Tatis right now is a National League MVP just looking at his numbers, especially because he's kind of the leading factor in that offense behind some pretty good pitching from him? Because I would probably give him my vote just because Bryce Harper is another guy you could think of. On here right now, I wanted to point out as Paul Goldschmidt. He's only played 18 games this year, but he's, I said before, he's like the most forgotten player in baseball. I totally forgot about him. And all of a sudden, he's got a 196 weighted runs creative plus. Only three bombs. Though. Yeah, 368 average. He's not the same power hitting Goldschmidt that we saw, but saw earlier in uh, – Arizona, excuse me, but um, he's playing very well in the play in the National League. But I feel like just given what Tatis does at the beginning of that lineup, he plays shortstop. He's 22 years old, something like that. Uh, the numbers he's putting up, the 2.1 war, I would probably give him the National League MVP right now. Would you agree or would you go with someone else? Yeah, I'd go Tatis in the NL. and the AL, I'd like Bieber. Honestly, we're going to talk about Cy Young stuff too. Shane Bieber's just been automatic. Uh, he's definitely the front runner for Cy Young. I don't love pitchers getting these awards, but he's pitched a lot for them, you know, with some doubleheaders, and uh, I feel like he's pitched five or six, you know, six times already, so he might get up to 10 or 11 starts in a 60-game season. And we've said they're a team that can't hit, so when yeah, you're a team at 17 and 12, a lot of that's from the pitching, and well, literally five of those wins are deeper. And when you have a, I think it's like a one eight one or something like that, his, his, yeah, how many strikeouts does he have already? It was a really Dude, it's like every number. night, every night I look at the stat line, it's like, okay, Shane Bieber, seven innings, two hits, maybe one or zero runs, one walk, 10 Ks. Like, it's just kind of like every night. I'm like, geez, this guy is really going off. And we had a question about Bieber. We're just going to incorporate that question to this. So shout out to Jake Reynolds if you're listening right now for asking us that question about Shane Bieber. Uh, he's 67 not my fan strikeouts in seven games. Yeah, in 41 innings. That's, 0.77 that's whip. 1.08 ERA. You know, I think he'd be landing in if, if he keeps up, for anyone as good as you are, it's hard to keep a 108 and a 0.77 whip strike out that many guys. But if he continues... Not even that pace, but a similar pace. It's hard to not vote for him. But uh, I had him top three or four in my preseason. I, I've always been high on him, and I really liked, like, kind of when, like, I saw him turn the page was when he struck out the side of the All-Star game last year. You know how we kind of talked about that? Like the ground to dead. Yeah, like it's kind of like a coming out party for some of these guys when they really dominate three big hitters. Right. And Joe Buck's calling the game, and everybody sees it, and you're like, okay, wow, this guy's really And good. Joe Buck. Doesn't get animated at all. Yeah. Good inning from Shane Bieber. He just watch out, up. major leagues. That's how that's how he said it with the ground, basically. Oh really? He's I mean, got Buck's got. I like Buck. I like him too. A lot of people hate Buck, but uh, I don't like the Tyree call though. That really bothers me. No, yeah, his call, his call for DeGrom, I think about, is pretty nice. But uh, he's had some calls. This is a baseball podcast. I'm sorry, but he's had some calls where it's literally, well, it's especially those Giants Super Bowls. Some of those Giants Super Bowls. It's just the Pacers. Calm down. Another decent team, but. 
They're a decent team. TJ Warren, really? The TJ Warren hype out. That's why I hate them so much. Yeah, they have good players around them. Everybody hyped him up until Jimmy Butler clamped him. But if you're the if you're a Heat fan or you're a basketball fan, you expect the Heat to handle the Pacers. I don't care what you say. I want to uh, see, see what happens when they play the Celtics. No, Bucks. Well, I'm not worried. I think they're going to win. Don't say you're not worried because you know you're worried. No, I think they're going to win. No, no, I don't want to hear it. Keep going. They're going to win. Keep going. We'll, we'll have a lot of basketball in the Burroughs podcast episode for this week. <laughs> Basketball in the Burroughs? Yeah. We're doing, doing that, then we're going to talk about Nets and Shitty basketball. Yeah. That's going to be brutal. About how the Knicks are going to sign every free agent or trade for uh, a young star in Denver or uh, Utah. So we can bring on every Nets fan that hype up Karras Levert like he's the we'll second coming uh, of uh, Elgin shit. Baylor. What's that kid's name? He comes here. Don't tell me his name. Oh, Teleska. Teleska can come talk in this basketball for us. Yeah. How about that? We'll get him in the, uh, the apartment. But uh, back to Shane Bieber. Jake Reynolds, thank you for the question. Sorry we got sidetracked. He asks... MVP. Shane Bieber, the Cy Young and the MVP. Cy Young, definitely right now, best pitcher in baseball. Um, MVP, as of now, if the season ended with his stats, I would probably give it to him also. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, those are special numbers. I mean, you see insane years. You had Arietta 2015. I know Granky was in that category. They grow in the past couple of years. Garrett Cole and Verlander last year, but it's not even close to a 108, 67 strikeouts. Strikeouts, granted, hey, it's only do, been do seven games. Cleveland would do uh, Frazier and Andahar, Freeber. Would they do Shane Bieber for Luis Guillorme? Because he's hitting 500 right now. You know Yankee fans are proposing that. I'm sure. Do you think we could get him for, like, maybe we'll throw in, like, Hicks. We'll do Hicks, well, Frazier, finish, and They Andy. have to finish their Fernando Tatis trade first uh, when the Yankees acquire him. But, uh, Jake, thank you for the question. And, uh... Yeah, the more I think about Jake Brown's question, the more I just look at Shane Bieber's numbers and just realize how ridiculous they are. But um, it's carrying my fantasy team right now. Yeah, even though I'm mad at you, sorry. Well, uh, what do you? Uh, what do you want to Neither of us are going to be taking the SAC race. That's all. That's all. I, I want that trophy with our name engraved because I think that's what we agreed on. But bottom line is, I'm not taking the ACT. For those listening, me and Noah are in a fantasy league with um, Weber, who we said we were going to have on the podcast a billion times. He hasn't been able to make it yet because he was uncomfortable. And uh, <laughs> some of our buddies. Uh, so our buddies from at home, as well as one of our teachers from uh, high school. And the loser of the league last place has to sign up and take an SAT or ACT, which is just humiliating considering we're all out of high school. More humiliating for... Mad. I'm not even humiliated. I just don't want to sit in that well, stupid yeah, room. But more humiliating thing about the teachers. Imagine, like, a, you know, Weber, 30, and Cora, like a 30, 40-year-old guy is just sitting in the classroom with a bunch of 16, 17, 18-year-olds taking a uh, standardized test. But uh, that's the punishment. Noah and I, our teams have been... Really good this year. We have a lot of great players. Um, I have Mike Clevenger who hasn't pitched a game in like two weeks because of his Corona bullshit, which is annoying. And I'm still top of the league, so I guess I'll take that. But uh, anything you want to move into before we uh, answer the rest of the questions that we have? I think we only have a couple. I just wanted to ask you, do you still think the Yankees are the surefire best team in baseball? No. I agree, I agree, no. But the, I the, the Dodgers, I'm, I'm, sure on, chewing gum, I'm like, on chewing gum, by the way, so if it sounds like I'm... I'll think the Dodgers are surefire, either. They've got problems. Well, no, here's the thing with the Dodgers. The Dodgers are always that team in the regular season that just coasts because they're playing meaningless baseball, and then when they play meaningless they, baseball... They turn it on in the postseason to they, win the World yeah. Series. No, they, uh, I mean, last year, they, the fact that that team last year didn't even make it past the Divisional Series, I know we always talk about it, the Nationals went on a historic run after finishing 19-31, and 31, largely because of the presence of Carter Keeboom in minor league system. I think that's the real reason they won the World Series. But um, the fact that this Dodger team, that these Dodgers teams, led by Dave Roberts, they always get to the postseason, and then when they have to play meaningful baseball, they kind of just crumble. So I think the Dodgers are still the best team in baseball right now. They always, they're always the best team in baseball regular season. They have been uh, all these years, and then they crumble. So I would say they are. But if I had to pick going into postseason right now, what's your World Series season? Well, oh, it's not the Reds aren't in the World Series. <laughs> I can no, tell you that right now. Um, I think I still take the Yanks. 
I'd still probably take the Yankees in the American League. The, I don't. because I don't trust the Twins, the A's. I don't like the Rays bats. I know they're forming over the chance to win the division with all the Yankees. They're, they've lost a lot of guys too. Yeah, Reynos just had Tommy John today. Nick Anderson has an elbow problem, and Charlie Morton has a shoulder problem. I don't obviously don't like the Astros. I don't like them both ways. I don't like them going into a postseason series with all the pressure. I mean, these guys are having shitty at bats against the Mariners when they're you know in the third inning of the game and they're. At Minute Maid Park, imagine them in the postseason with the uh, fake crowd noise. But um, yeah, really I, a team like them. I think the Yankees, part of it, I know they're beat up a little bit, but it's honestly just their stature. Even if you're the Twins or the Athletics, if they're hotter and they have a better roster going into a series because of Yankee injuries, I think it's just harder to get over that Yankee hump. Um, a little different, maybe with no fans and all that stuff. Going to the Bronx is easier this year, but I would still back the Yankees just because I think they're the best geared for the postseason and they've had. They made the pretty deep playoff runs. These guys are experienced now, so I would still back them in the National League. Um, still, the National League just sucks. That's it does. The second best teams, the Cubs. The Cubs aren't doing. The, the, the Cubs aren't doing anything. I think we're still looking at Yanks, Dodgers, but we've had some doubts about these teams. I just, I think the, like, they're not as bulletproof as we thought they were. The Cubs haven't played many great teams. I mean, you look at they're playing the National League Central, which is a pretty shit division. I think the second best team is the Cardinals at ten and eight. Uh, they're like a weird 10 and 8. Like they haven't played a lot. And besides Paul Goldschmidt, I think Jack Flaherty's pitching a while. He's a guy I like going into this uh, year for the Cy Young. They're not a team that scares you. There's just not a lot of teams that like scare you, really. I think you Adam look at Wainwright a team, doesn't scare you in here, too. Yadier Molina saying fuck COVID on Instagram scares me because I think uh, it was terrible of him. But it's Penn State freshman, too. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no. Twerk circle. Speaking so of that. No, no, no. Speaking, uh, uh, speaking of that, Jack Lucas asks if Matt Nardolillo was at the center of that twerk circle that we saw last week. I, I heard he organized it. Matt Nardolillo did organize it? That's what I heard. He called me last night and asked me what kind of sauce they put on the yellow taco or yellow, whatever that place is called that replaced Taco Bell. He asked me what kind of sauce they put in their burritos, which I didn't know the answer to. I thought that was a great video. Like it or hit it. I didn't ask him yet. I got to, if I, uh, I'll have to send him a text after we record this episode. But, uh, I'm we a joined, sophomore. We, we joined the gym yesterday. Yeah, I heard about that. Uh, you said you're going to trying to go four times a week? Yeah, four or five. That and playing basketball. I had a salad today. Just trying to stay. Sure. I mean, I walked... I'm not about the freshman 15. I walked 35, 36 minutes to my chiropractor back today in total, like 2.9 miles. I walked to the hub a couple times already, so I've gotten my exercise in, but, um... Yeah, I don't know. I'm a sophomore here. I don't know what kind of sauce they use on burritos downtown, but, uh... As we say, baseball podcast. So, I think we'll get back into baseball talk. Now, I still think Yankees Dodgers is the go-to pick. Uh, if you were to pick, is there any chance that when the Indians get back, uh, when they get Clevenger back and they get Plesak back, is there any way they can make a run in the postseason or no? Because earlier in the year, sure, I was high on them, but the way they're heading, I don't think it's possible. They could like win a three-game series. Like, on the Yankees, I don't want to face Cleveland in a three-game series. I don't think I know. If we're facing them in a seven-game series, I feel right. You could easily lose them. Because they're not going to hit every game, and one of those pitchers is going to have a bad game. Yeah. So, I, I, you know, with the Yankees... I probably worry about that more than most people do, and I'm very realistic about that. But how would you? How I'm would worried you, about their pitching. How would like, you not worry about Cleveland though if you play face them? I mean, you could lose Shane Bieber. This version of Shane Bieber is going to be Garrett Cole potentially, and then you have excuse me, Mike Clevenger versus maybe. Mike Clevenger versus who would be like James Paxton or something like that. That's what I'm them. worried about. That's what I'm worried about. But you got to remember that when the Yankees have Lemayhu and Judge and Stanton and Torres in the lineup, they look. Unstoppable. I think the Yankees either win the World Series or they lose in the first round. I think there's really no middle ground, honestly. I think if they get past that hump of facing a team that's good places. Say, we, say Tampa wins the division, the Yankees get the four seed. That means they're going to be playing a five seed. Say the five seed's Cleveland. Who do you got? You got Beaver, Cole, 
you got Tanaka, Tanaka Clevenger, and then you got Carrasco, Paxton. The thing is, I also would give the problem with that is I'd give the Yankees a better chance of scraping on a run. Yeah, they're going to even start out of the game. I don't so know, like, that, but that's it's that's scary. Really you don't want it. I think I'd still take the Yankees, probably. But it would uh, like it's not. There's nothing surefire about that. I'd rather face the Twins. You gotta face the Twins, you think? <laughs> yeah, of course. It's the Twins. Even with those bad the Twins, they put Harmon Killebrew and all and Joe Mauer back in his prime on that Twins team, and then they could bring uh, they could bring Pedro Martinez back from retirement, and I'd still think that we'd beat them. Well, we might have to get our good friend Kyle Gibson to sim that, and then it'll be the show. But um, we're going to finish this episode off in a second, take a small break, because we are running out of time for uh, however much time I can give us on each segment. In a shocking turn of events, we're all at Penn State, but somehow Brian Muller is going remotely for Brian's Trivia Minute. Brian, you need no introduction. We've been nice to you the past couple weeks. Now that we're back together, we're living here. Why don't you just throw this question at us, and we're going to answer it. All right, guys. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, uh, even though we do live in the same apartment, um, we are not together right now. Riddle me that one, I know. But here is today's trivia question. So, fun fact about the 2019 season was that the the top four leaders in triples all finished with 10 triples in the year, and three of those four all played for the same AL Central team. So my question is, what was the team and who were the three guys? It was the Royals. I know that. It was the, yes, Royals. It was the Royals. It was the Royals and it was Mondesi. Whit Merrifield. Yes and yes. Alex and Gordon. Then, Alex Gordon. No. Salvador Perez. <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> Not Salvador Perez. Uh, uh, Ryan O'Hearn. O'Hearn. No. Uh, Oh, that, Hunter Dozier. He's too slow. I was gonna say Hunter yes, Dozier. Was I was gonna Dozier. say Hunter Dozier. What is he? Is he not bad. Not is he bad. slow? I thought he was slow. I thought he was a power hitter. I was gonna say no, that's before. Brian Dozier. Well, <laughs> fuck Brian Dozier. That, that dude. That dude's not even a hitter. Okay, so one more. Is this like one of those names, Brian? What? No, you got it. Hunter no, we Dozier. got them all. It's Hunter Dozier. I thought you said there were four. Well, no. I mean, one guy played for the Diamondbacks. Oh, oh, oh. Cattell Marte. No, it was Eduardo Escobar. That guy's first name. It was Eduardo Escobar. Bang. So it wasn't Robbie Ray? It was not. Okay. Brian, why aren't you here right now? I miss you. Brian, did you catch that one? No, what did he say? I said, Brian, why aren't you here right now? I miss you. And I wanted to talk about your tweet about how you clotheslined somebody for not wearing a mask. Yeah, well, I saw the guy. He was jogging down um, Main Street, no mask on. And, you know, mask up or pack up. So uh, stuck out my arm and clotheslined him. Is he in the hospital? Um, I'm not sure. He might be on his way to Mount Nittany Medical Center, but uh, I cannot confirm or deny it. I heard they uh, thoughts or prayers with him. I heard they gave him an X-ray, and when they handed him the X-ray to look at it, it was actually just a trivia question from you. Is that true? Yeah, no, I left one behind. I guess the uh, paramedics picked that one up. And is that from the Discord? Is that from the trivia Discord? Or is that was that a domer? Well, it was one of the um, NBA ones that threw your way the other night. Okay, gotcha. Well, uh, Brian, we appreciate you. Even when you're uh, going remote, you still have time to uh, call in and give us a trivia question. Uh, I hope you get home safe tonight, man. I'm looking forward to seeing you later. You can tell me how your night was, tell me what you had for dinner or something like that. Yeah, will do. Thanks for having me, guys. All right, you got it, man. I'll see you later. See ya. Everyone, that was Brian's Trivia Minute. Noah, unless you want to slip off for a couple of minutes about some bullshit, um, we could pretty much finish this episode. You got anything? Any closing remarks? How long do you think we're going to stay at Penn State? Um, my parent, my parent, like my dad and my grandmother seem to think that it's like 70% we'll get sent home, 30% we stay. But they think we'll make it like a month. I think from what I've seen around, it looks like 
lot of people are uh, listening to the guidelines, whether it's the masks on, the social distancing. Excuse me. I know uh, yesterday I was eating at the Hub with uh, two of my three roommates. It was me, Joey, and Timmy. And Timmy pulled the chair, sit next to us at a table. And they told him he had to go sit at the table where he pulled the chair from, which this technically doesn't make sense because we live in the same fucking yeah. house together. And, like, same bathroom, same kitchen, same living room, uh, same yeah, water. In the dining out, hall, like, it's different. Drinking out of the same, um, what's it called? Brita filter. We're grabbing the same stuff. It's not like we're doing whatever. But um, I wasn't too ticked off by it. One, he wasn't that far away. Maybe, like, four or five feet. Two, they're actually maintaining an effort to be safe. That's one of those things that doesn't make sense. A lot of this stuff doesn't make sense, but this is totally new for everybody. I mean, not everybody lives through a global pandemic and has to deal with it for the better part of probably five, six months now. But uh, I'm glad they're following up on that. I'm seeing a lot of kids from other schools are getting like suspended for not following guidelines, which, listen, this is not a time to say, all right, uh, like slap the cuffs on and just be like, don't do it again. Like you have to straighten shit out. And I think they're doing a good job of it. Seems like they're doing a good job here. Shout out to all the teachers who have to teach over Zoom. I know that's tough. Um, for the students who are actually paying attention, shout out to them too. I just respect the teachers because I remember last year they made the decision to do Zoom like a day or two before we started teaching stuff again. And all these teachers, you know, the hundreds of thousands of faculty members here had to learn how to use Zoom. Um, and it's not like every teacher is a 25-year-old dude who just graduated with his master's in something that can use technology like that. So um, I appreciate the teachers' efforts for trying to make class as seamless as possible. Uh, how's your experience in the dorm? Because being in an apartment, it's you know a little less lenient, but I know you have RAs and stuff like that, no visitors. I mean, I miss the house. Like I was having my space in my car and stuff like that. But at the same time, it's fun living you know, where a bunch of other people are and stuff. Uh, you know, I've used your shower once. That's been nice. <laughs> You're going to use it later after the uh, Clippers match? No, 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 I don't use it tonight. I'll come back over. I don't want to be here every day. I got to go have my freshman year, as you told me. Uh, but maybe on Thursday or Friday or something before that. I have a haircut next Tuesday. Solid. So I'm looking for. I need. You know. I want to keep my barber. Barbershop episode next Tuesday. You want? You I'll down? do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'm going back home. I think the. I don't know if you're gonna go with me, but I think I'm going back like the 12th or something like that. So I'll get my dose at home, uh, even if we're not sent home, and then I'll enjoy the rest of my time here. So it's been a good transition. Obviously busy, but we'll still try to get episodes out once a week if we can. If we have stuff to talk about, I mean, if yeah, it, de- it depends on like today we had a good amount to talk about, which is good, but last there's week, also going to be weeks that are dead. Yeah, um, it was a couple weeks ago when we recorded with Lucas at your house. I mean, if we didn't have bullshit about girls in high school to talk about, we'd probably run out of time in the episode in like 20 minutes, but uh, I'm glad we were able to stick it out there. It's kind of weird. We were talking about how excited we were for the season to start because we could talk about so much stuff, and now that the season starts, we kind of missed like that whole off season. you know, guys getting signed, uh, playoff prediction, division preview stuff, but at the same time, now that my Mets are back and the Yankees will be playing soon, we'll have plenty to talk about. Uh, I'm sure we could talk a little Subway Series next week because I believe the Mets and Yankees are playing, if I'm not mistaken. So we'll have plenty of that. But uh, unless you have any final thoughts, appreciate you guys for listening to episode – I'm going to take a guess, 24? I think 24. That sounds right. Last one might have been 23. We're in the mid-20s. We're close to 1,000 listens. Thank you to that. You know, getting probably 30 an episode, which is kind of what we expect. We've right. said multiple times we don't really expect to be – you know, getting a thousand listeners an episode. It would be cool, but, but we don't expect it at all. Unless, unless Noah keeps plugging our podcast under Jeff Basson tweets. But um, uh, that's been a while since I've done that. You might have to do that again, but I don't know if anyone wants to listen to us talk about uh, Penn State freshman. Maybe I put it in the Penn State University Reddit page. So, so <laughs> hey guys, uh, me and my friend recording a. Uh, we bash the university in some yeah. capacity. It'll be good to go. But uh, yeah, until next week or whenever we find ourselves able to record, we appreciate you guys listening. Our socials. 
Pod itself is at BATB Pod. Nobody, nobody follows us. At T Smith Sports. <laughs> Noah is at No Product 20. It sounds professional, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. Especially because yeah. I never messed up the apps. Not that it's hard, but it's it just sounds pretty cool. It's like a proper outro. But uh, thank you guys for listening. Wait, hold on. We'll I want to plug week. my Snapchat. Hold I on. just said goodbye. Are you kidding me? No, I just want to plug my Snapchat. Hold on. My Snapchat. Okay. Guys. See you guys tomorrow.